0: All right, this is the Joe Danier podcast. I've been threatening to write a book forever. And I think that I've gone through a a bunch of stuff in the last 25 years, have experienced enough dramatic events that it would make for a pretty good story. The problem is two things. I didn't write it down along the way. There was no journal or diary or anything like that that documented that, that out. And when I do go and try and recount some of those stories when I'm writing them down, I get hypercritical about who the hell wants to read something like this. And so what happens, what ends up happening is I get these ideas every once in a while and it reminds me of a time and it's sort of like it parallels itself with something that I'm dealing with. And I think, Ah, I'm going to do something, and I my first indication I go out to social media. I put together some inspirational message that goes along with it, and it kind of works. So if you added up all of the things that I or the stories that I told and the things that I say over social media, you'd probably get a book. But uh, I'm going to start telling some of these stories audibly through this podcast, and so it's going to be a little bit of story time. So that's a little the premise, and uh, you'll get many more of these because there's hundreds, if not thousands of these little instances of things that not everybody gets to experience. So here's today's story. And this is when I was super poor. Money was really tight. Revenue was terrible. And I needed to hire a couple of field techs. I was doing 90% of the work myself. So I wasn't doing any work in growing the business or putting any time into marketing or accounting. And I knew that I needed to hire somebody. And, um, I had, You know, when you do this kind of stuff and you're you're a dumb kid, you have a lot of, you know, sort of like misconceptions about what you should do. You look at other people, you try to emulate them, but if you don't boil it down and get an understanding for what you're emulating, you end up doing a lot of bonehead things just because you don't understand them. And one of those things where I said, okay, well, i got to hire somebody who's me, I'm going to go buy a car, right? So those field techs that I need to go do these service jobs – they need a car to get around on, and I got to supply that, so I need to go buy a car. But I don't have any money, so um, how am I going to get them a car? So one of the even before I had someone hired, I wanted to get a service vehicle so that I can get someone hired, and so I went to a car dealership, and uh, and I started looking around at what types of cars would make for a good service vehicle. Um, I was riding around in a little Chevy S10 pickup, and it was not great it in, in the snow in the winter times here in, in Ohio. And so I wanted to get something that was maybe front wheel drive so that my service techs would have a little bit easier job than, than I did. And I was looking in the price range of about like a thousand dollar car. I figured that was the best I was going to be able to scrounge up. And, uh, and really I didn't find anything in the thousand dollar range that I would put anybody I cared about in. They were just beat up, looked terrible. They were absolute beaters. And so I put plan B was I went home and I had a 2001 Ford Mustang GT convertible that I absolutely loved. And it was my, you know, first real car purchase. I coveted that thing. And anyway, I I came up with the idea that I was going to take my Ford Mustang to the dealership. I was going to do a trade and I was going to trade my Mustang for a service vehicle. And so I went in there and I thought, okay, well, this thing's probably worth X amount of dollars. At the time, maybe it was like, you know, $10,000 because I, it, you know, it was, it was probably six years old by that point, whatever. But anyway, fast forwarding, um, I figured I could get two service vehicles in trade for my Mustang, and so it was worth 10 and maybe I can get two $5,000 vehicles. And in my brain, it was like, yeah, this makes sense. I can hire two people then. Because that, that was like the predicate. My brain was telling me that if I had a service vehicle, then I, that, then I could hire somebody. And that was like the lead in to having you know help in the field. So I went into this dealership and I was like, hey, I got this. Uh, or I'm sorry I first went and looked at cars if I, if I were going to do a hypothetical trade I did not pitch my Mustang until the absolute very end they didn't even know I had a trade in I wanted to talk to a salesperson and get me uh you know a couple of service fees. I gave them the whole premise I got some service and they picked out these two Buick regals big gargantuan things I think they were posted at like six thousand five hundred dollars a piece so it was like twelve thousand dollars worth of hardware that was sitting in front of him. My brain's calculating like what I'm going to get away with here or what I'm going to be able to purchase here with my Mustang currency. So we had two instances. We had these two cars and the guy was just going through the litany of why this $6,000 car was amazing. And look at these sidewalls and the engine is perfect and the body's amazing. It's only got 70,000 miles on the odometer. Like there was a highlight on every pro. And I'm looking at it and I'm like, okay, well, it's a car, but it's just, you know, it's not perfect. It's not great. And this guy is like really putting on the dance though to make me buy into the fact that it's just still a Buick, something my grandma would drive. And so then, okay, we get down through the thing. We came to the agreement that we'd probably be paying around five grand or so for, uh, for each one, you know, $10,000. And then, uh, so then we did the dance. I was like, "Hey, and how I intend to finance this is, I have a Mustang that I'd like to trade in against these two Buicks." And so I pulled in my Mustang, and I watched this guy do the same dance, but on the other side. Where when it, he was talking about the car he wanted to sell me, it was the best car that I ever I, I could ever picture. But when it was my trade in, and my my Mustang was beautiful. It was really well. Taken care of. There was no body you know, imperfections. I mean, it was beautiful. I think there might have been uh, one of the wheels had uh, some scratches from you know hitting a curb or something like that. But that was really, it was really, really in great shape. But I watched this guy said, "Oh, this will have to happen, and we'll have to put this money into it, and uh, somebody's going to really not want to buy this car because of this." And it was such a contrast between those two instances when he had. Uh, you know, he wanted to sell me something. He was in one mode, and when he was buying it for me, he was in this completely different mode. And I, and yes, he he was the he was what was demonstrating it. But I learned a whole lot about the human psyche when we have sort of a bias of something that we want. You'll notice with if you have a you know ten year old when they want to uh, you know the, when they don't want to go to school, the snow poses the most dangerous scenario for the survival of human beings, right? But then once if you want to go sledding, then same conditions might be perfect for going out into the elements and doing a sled running day. And those two things can happen in the exact same day, but depending on how your brain's framing it, how much you want something is dependent on how uh, you will present it and how you'll feel about it. And you won't feel the conflict or contradiction in your own head. And I wanted to develop that contradiction. I wanted to be able to have a, a gauge inside of my brain that m- made me know when I was only saying something because I wanted something. And those of you are following the story and want, want the end of it. So we, we ended up setting down. And um, after going through the process of the mustang, they made me an offer for the, a, a, a clean swap out between one of the Buicks and the Mustang. And I think they were going to throw in like $100 dollars to cover some of the, uh, you know the transfer fees and i looked at the guy and i said you do realize that you're saying that you are going to trade me a mustang gt for a buick regal straight up and i wanted to see if he he you know the silliness registered in his brain and it obviously did not so i pulled the plug on that but i again the whole value of that was is seeing and i've used this in references in some of my speeches about I'm talking to a crowd about, uh, you know, when somebody is 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 crit- critical of you, the things that they they would say, and when people are critical of themselves, the complimentary things that they would say. But there's a lot about, like I said, I'll, I would put this in the chapter of understanding uh, the emotions of the human condition. And once you know that, you know what your tendencies are going to be. All you really have to do is identify when you're in those modes, and that way, that way, you know, if you're like. Um, you know, if you're a little bit too forgiving with yourself when you want something or, you you know, you, you're, you're critical of you, but then you're a little overly critical and, and, and hypercritical when you're talking something you don't want or another person. But anyway, cool story, and this will be one of many I'm sure I'll come in here and tell you about uh, through the interesting lens of Joe Danier's life. So next time on the Joe Danier Podcast.